Welcome back to Heroes of the Faith, a show where we are inspired by the lives of the saints so that we can become saints ourselves. I'm your host, Isaac Longworth. Today's saint is named St. Andrew Kim Taegon. Now, he was the very first native-born Korean to be ordained a priest. He's also the patron saint of the entire country of Korea, and he's venerated by Korean Catholics all over the world. However, in his time, Korea was very far from being a Christian country because at this point in history, most Koreans followed the religion of Confucianism. Now, if you've never heard of Confucianism before, it's an ancient Chinese spirituality that was founded by a philosopher named Confucius. And Confucianism had spread and taken root in Korea. It was this ethical philosophy that sought the betterment of a person in order to achieve a kind of cosmic harmony. So Confucianism taught that if people individually tried to be the best person that they could be, eventually the whole universe would achieve this kind of universal harmony and balance. Confucianism also taught uh, that we needed to worship ancestors. And so uh, the Koreans would worship, venerate their relatives who had gone on before them, and they would also worship the spirit of Confucius as a kind of God. So this was the uh, false religion that most Koreans believed in at this point in history before Christianity was introduced in the 17th century. Now this is how Christianity came to the country of Korea. Korean scholars had traveled to nearby countries like China and Japan where there had already been European missionaries present evangelizing for some time. And so when the Korean scholars went to these countries, they brought back with them Christian books that they had started to read there. And so they brought them back to Korea and people started to interact with Christian thought through these books. But the, uh, the country of Korea was hostile to having Western foreigners coming into their country. The Korean rulers wanted to preserve their culture, they wanted to preserve their sovereignty as a nation, and they didn't want any European powers interfering with that. And so they wanted to keep all Western foreigners out of the country. However, some Koreans, since they were on the border of China and Japan, visited these countries. And while they were there, they were evangelized and baptized before returning back home to Korea. And so even though Western missionaries weren't allowed to come into Korea, these Korean Christians began to spread the gospel at home to their friends and family. Now, as a result of this, Christianity began to spread across Korea. Without any priests or bishops there to establish the church, it began to spread because lay Koreans who had heard the gospel of Jesus began to share it with those around them and baptize them into this hidden church. Now, the Chosun dynasty, which was the dynasty that ruled over Korea at this point in history, they resented the spread of Christianity because they saw it as a Western religion that was threatening their culture, threatening their way of life, threatening their religion, and thus was threatening their authority over the people. They saw Korea as a unified nation under the Confucian religion. And if there was some Koreans that were Christian and some Koreans that were Confucian, they saw this as a division that would cause them to be weaker, susceptible to Western interference. And so the Chosun dynasty instigated a persecution of the church in Korea. 
And so this meant that the Korean church had to meet in secret. Now, again, as I said earlier, there was no priests or bishops at all in Korea at this time. It was all lay people. And so they would meet in homes or meet in the forest in order to pray together. If they were able to smuggle in a Bible or some other kind of Christian prayer book, they would read that together. They would sing songs of worship to the Lord. The only sacrament that they had was baptism because uh, lay people can administer the sacrament of baptism if there's no priest available. And so families would baptize their own children, would baptize their neighbors who they evangelized. And Christianity continued to grow despite the absence of any kind of church hierarchy. Now, this was the world that Andrew Kim Tagon was raised in. He was born into a Christian family who had to celebrate their faith in secret in this underground Korean church. Now, he was born in 1821, and he was baptized when he was 15 years old. And he took the name at his baptism, Andrew. So his real name in Korean was Kim Taegon, and in Korean culture, the family name came first, so the family name was Kim. His personal name was Taegon, but when he was baptized, he took the Christian name Andrew, which is why we get the name Andrew Kim Taegon that we hear today. Now, Andrew was born into a family of martyrs because already before his baptism, his great-grandfather, his great-uncle, and his own dad were all beheaded for being Christians. They had all been caught by the government as being Christians, and they were commanded to renounce their faith. They refused to do so, and so they were put to death. And so this meant that the Kim family knew the risk of being Christian, and yet they continued to pass on their faith to every new generation, even though they knew that it could cost them their very lives. Now, the Kim family was Yangban, which was uh, the Korean term for the traditional ruling class in Korea at the time. They were considered the elite, the gentry of society, the educated, the wealthy. But the Kim family, even though they were Yangban, they had lost a lot of their wealth and their prestige due to the persecution that they had to suffer for being Christian. And also because the Korean culture at that time the male family members were often the breadwinners of the family. And since so many of the male family members had been killed as martyrs for the faith, that meant that the Kim family was actually quite poor despite their social status. And so Andrew was raised in a very poor family. In fact, his mother was often reduced to begging at times just to take care of her family. Soon after being baptized, Andrew heard the call of God to become a Catholic priest. He had this desire to be ordained and serve the underground Korean church, to bring them the sacraments that they had not been able to receive for years. And so he bravely left home and traveled over 1,200 miles in order to study for the priesthood at seminaries in China and the Philippines. Eventually, he was ordained a priest in Shanghai when he was only 23 years old, so a very young priest, and immediately, Father Andrew set his sights back on the homeland of Korea, and he planned on returning there to serve the people that he had left behind. And so for two years, that's what he did. He made trips back and forth across 
the country of Korea. He celebrated the sacraments. He heard confessions in secret. He celebrated mass in homes and private gatherings. And he was literally the only priest operating in the entire country of Korea. He traveled uh, across the country by horseback, by foot, often in very dangerous situations. He was smuggled around by fishermen on their boats along the coast. And everywhere he went, the people received him with great joy. This was the first priest that many of them had ever seen in their life. And he was able to bring them the Eucharist that they had heard about, they had learned about, but they had longed for, but had never been able to receive until now. He also used his many travels across Korea in order to chart out maps. He was designing the best routes possible to smuggle French missionaries into Korea. He wanted to bring in backup, bring in more priests to serve the people. But while he was on one of these journeys, he unfortunately was arrested by border guards and put into prison with 20 other Korean Christians who had been arrested with him. Now, while he was awaiting sentencing, Father Andrew Kim Taegon was able to get a letter out to his underground flock of Christians. And this is what he wrote. Some 50 or 60 years since the Holy Church entered into our Korea, the faithful suffer persecutions again. Even today, persecution rages so that many of our friends of the same faith, among who am I myself, have been thrown into prison. Since we are now close to the struggle, and this is what he's talking about, the final struggle where he's going to be martyred. He said, since we are now close to the struggle, I pray you to walk in faith so that when you have finally entered into heaven, we may greet one another. He's encouraging the church saying, look, I've been thrown into prison. The Holy Church is being persecuted throughout our country. And even now I am preparing to suffer death for the faith. But he's encouraging them. He's saying, walk in faith. Because we don't live for this world, we live for heaven. And one day we'll be able to greet each other in heaven once again, having passed through this persecution. Father Andrew Kim Taegon was sentenced to death for being a Catholic priest and for conspiring to bring foreign missionaries into Korea. He was treated like a traitor, like a spy, like someone who had rejected his country in order to go over to Western power. But Father Andrew Kim Taegon rejected all of that. He did all of this out of love for his Korean people to bring them the truth about Jesus, to share with them the true faith and lead them out of the errors of Confucianism. Father Andrew was tortured cruelly before he was put to death. In fact, his captors drove arrows through his ears and poured lime juice onto his wounds in order to cause him even more pain. But while he was being tortured, he refused to be bitter. He didn't curse his enemies. He exhorted them to become Christians. While he was being tortured, this is what he said. This is my last hour of life, so listen to me attentively. If I have held communication with foreigners, here he's talking about the European missionaries. He said, if I have held communication with foreigners, it has been for my religion and for my God. It is for him that I die. My immortal life is on the point of beginning. 
He's saying, I'm not afraid of you. I'm going to heaven. I'm dying for the true religion. I'm dying for Jesus. And he goes on to tell them, he says, become Christians if you wish to be happy after death. Because God has eternal punishment in store for those who have refused to know him. Even as they're killing him, even as they're torturing him and pouring lime juice onto his wounds in order to cause him excruciating pain, he's worried about their salvation. He's imploring with them, Jesus is the only way to salvation. The only way to heaven is through Christ. Turn to him. Believe in him so that you too can be happy like me after death and look forward to heaven. He's evangelizing his captors even as they are torturing and killing him. What a tremendous witness to the power of the faith. Now, Father Andrew Kim Tegon was eventually put to death by beheading. They ended his torture by cutting off his head. And he was just one of the eight to 10,000 Koreans who were killed for their faith during this period. The Chosun dynasty was relentless. They wanted to stamp out Christianity before it could spread any further. And close to 10,000 Koreans were killed for their faith, martyred, of whom Father Andrew Kim Taegon is one. Now, the persecution of the Korean church ended eventually, but as we know, the persecution of Koreans for following Jesus continues to this day in some parts, especially for the Koreans who live in North Korea. Estimates vary in how many Christians are in North Korea right now. Some say up to 300,000, but they are not allowed to celebrate their faith openly. They're not allowed to be professing Christians in public. And they are no longer persecuted by Confucian dynasties, but they are persecuted by atheistic communist regimes. The communist government that has been set up in North Korea is outspoken in their atheism, and they do not allow anyone to deviate from that. And so they see Christianity as a threat to their power over the people of North Korea. If you are a Christian in North Korea, you risk imprisonment, torture, or execution for professing that you believe in Jesus. Christians are arrested, rounded up, and sent to concentration camps. They're sent to labor camps to work till they die, all for professing the name of Jesus. In fact, sometimes if a member of the family is Christian, even his relatives will be sent to labor camps as an extra penalty for not turning him in earlier. Many families, for this reason, aren't even able to evangelize their own children. Christian parents aren't able to tell their children about Jesus until they're teenagers in order to avoid their children accidentally saying something that would betray their own parents. Because in the schools, the children are encouraged to tell the authorities if their parents are Christians. This is what the Christian church is facing in North Korea even today. The persecution that was undergone by Father Andrew Kim Taegon and his uh, people continues even now under a different name. Little is known about the North Korean church and how they celebrate their faith because so much information is restricted. But it's very possible 
that the church in North Korea is run in a way similar to the time of St. Andrew Kim Taegon. It's very possible that there are very few priests in North Korea right now. We have no idea how many there are. We don't know. But it's very possible that Christians have to meet in homes secretly in order to worship together. That they have to smuggle in Bibles and prayer books and that the only way the church spreads is through one-on-one -on -one evangelization from lay Koreans sharing their faith, even though it's dangerous to do so with their neighbors, their friends, and their family. And I think this is one of the main lessons that we can learn from Father Andrew Kim Taegon and all of the Korean martyrs. And it's this, that the sacraments are the main way that God gives grace to us, absolutely, but they presuppose a living faith. In the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the Catechism says that the sacraments bear fruit in those who receive them with the required dispositions. That means that when we receive the sacraments, they truly bring us grace, but they are only efficacious. They only really bring fruit in us if they are built on a living faith in Jesus. And it's possible to have that living faith in Jesus without receiving the sacraments if they are unavailable. You see, we need to have a personal conversion to Jesus through a response to the gospel message. We need to understand the fact that we are made for a relationship with God, that God loves us, that he is the creator, but that our sin has broken that relationship, that we have distanced ourselves from the God who gives us life, and thus we have earned death for ourselves, both in this life and in the next, that we deserve eternal death because of our sin. And yet the good news is that Jesus came to suffer and die for us. He came to make it possible for us to be put back into right relationship with our Father in heaven. And the only way to receive that salvation, as Father Andrew Kim Taegon preached to his torturers, is to believe in Jesus, to turn away from our sin, and to be welcomed into his church. This is the gospel that we need to believe. Only when we believe this gospel will the sacraments begin to have long-term effects on us. They are, in fact, the sacraments, the primary ways for us to connect with God. But they will only bear effect in our lives if we have surrendered our life to him already. It is possible, therefore, to grow deeper in holiness even when the sacraments are made unavailable. If you remember in the time of Father Andrew Kim Taegon, a lot of the sacraments weren't available. They couldn't go to confession. They couldn't go to mass. They couldn't be confirmed. They could only be baptized. And yet, this produced great saints like Father Andrew Kim Taegon. And so we need to be able to grow deeper in holiness, even if the sacraments are one day made unavailable. We need to be able to develop a personal prayer life that focuses on intimacy, on relationship with God. We need to be able to learn about our faith, to read the scriptures, to study the truths of the faith, to pray the rosary, to have fellowship with other Christians, praying and studying together in a community as much as possible. And we need to be able to share our faith with others. We need to be evangelizing, constantly bringing the good news of the gospel to the lost. This work never stops. 
And this is what the Korean church was doing. They couldn't receive most of the sacraments, and yet they became saints. Their faith was strong enough that it led them to death rather than renouncing it. They are proof that God can work even without the sacraments. And this is so important for us to remember, right? Especially as recently much of the world has not been able to receive sacraments during the COVID pandemic, right? If you remember, most countries, the churches were closed. Priests were unable to give the sacraments. And yet, this was not a time to pause our faith, but we were called to go higher. If in your own diocese, the sacraments have been brought back into your churches, praise God. Now you have a new appreciation for the sacraments that will hopefully spur you on to more frequent and devote reception. Never take it for granted. Never take it for granted. But if wherever you're living right now, the sacraments are still unavailable, you can't get to Mass, you can't, to, can't get to confession, your confirmation has been delayed. Well, I want to tell you that loss of the sacraments is no excuse for you not to become a saint. Think of the Korean saints who went willingly to their death professing Jesus even though they had never been to Mass once in their life. The Lord is still calling you to grow in holiness even at this time even at this time. We can never undervalue the power of the sacraments. I don't want you to walk away from this thinking the sacraments aren't important. They are very important. But even if the sacraments are taken away from you, your underlying faith in God can never be stripped from you. Even if persecution or a COVID wave takes the sacraments away from you, your faith still belongs to you. And you can still worship the Lord and become a saint. St. Andrew Kim Taegon was unable to go to the sacraments for most of his life. And yet this did not kill his faith. It made him stronger. He had a deep relationship with the Lord that drove him to give up everything for Jesus and for love of his people. He certainly didn't undervalue the sacraments. In fact, he died in an effort to bring them to his people. But he didn't let his inability to receive the sacraments be an excuse. He didn't let that stop him from becoming a great saint. So with all of that in mind, let's pray for the intercession of St. Andrew Kim Taegon that we will never lose sight of the importance of the sacraments, and yet we will not let their absence stop us from becoming saints. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord God, first of all, through the intercession of St. Andrew Kim Taegon, we pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters in North Korea. Lord, I ask that all of the Christians in North Korea would be given strength, that you would keep them safe, that you would give them the fire of your Holy Spirit, that would give them the courage to boldly follow you, even in the face of of terrible persecution. And Lord, through the intercession of St. Andrew Kim Taegon, we pray that we would be able to grow in holiness even if and when the sacraments are unavailable to us for any reason whatsoever. Lord, we pray that our reception 
of the sacraments would flow from a foundation of a converted life in you and a deep relationship that remains. St. Andrew Kim Taegon, patron saint of Korea, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.